The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com that's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C dot com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website, which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Today's sermon is a powerful message from John chapter 5 and verse 39 by Elder Philip Dukes, pastor of Grants Mill Primitive Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. In this message, he reminds us that the scriptures are not what saves us, but they testify of the one who saved us. Since we felt it best to post this sermon in its entirety, due to its length, we will not have a song today. So join us today for this sermon entitled, The Scriptures Testify of Christ. Jesus makes a statement in the Gospel of John, chapter 5, that we'd like to kind of look at for a few minutes tonight. I had originally thought that we would start with Genesis 22, but... I think I'm going to try and attempt to end up there. But in in John chapter 5, the Lord makes a statement in verse 39, wherein he says, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. He gives us a command here to search the scriptures. Now, Uh, At the time that he is writing this, the only scriptures that they have are the Old Testament. So it's very uh, important that we understand what the Old Testament has to say concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And he assures us that these Old Testament scriptures testify of him. Uh, The Bible speaks to a, a multitude of topics, but it is the only book ever written that can be enjoyed by children and adults of all ages in any circumstance and in any situation uh, any point in life the youngest child to the oldest adult can read the scriptures and have something in there for them there's not another book that is written among men that you and I can look at collectively together and enjoy for all our days. 
Uh, Ezekiel writes to us, there's a very beautiful passage here in Ezekiel uh, chapter 47 that kind of goes along these lines. Uh, Ezekiel writes in Ezekiel 47 that, uh, that he was brought again to the door of the house in verse 1. And I'd like for you to notice here in verse 3 specifically, just for sake of time. Ezekiel 47, verse 3, Ezekiel writes and he says, When the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits. And he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. These waters were coming forth out of the house here. And he brought him to these waters, and the waters were to the ankles. Verse 4, again he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the knees. Again he measured a thousand and brought me through, and the waters were to the loins. Afterward he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass over. This is the understanding of every child of God. The first time that you read through the scriptures, you might think, well, maybe this is pretty easy. It's to the ankles. But the longer you live and the more you learn and the more you know, you finally get to a point where you realize that the understanding of God is a river that you can swim in but never pass over. Remember what Paul says in Romans chapter 11? Romans chapter 11, verse 33, he says, Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. I believe it's in the book of Job wherein he asked this question, Can thou by searching find out God? Search the Scriptures. Search the Scriptures, he says in John. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. There is a common misconception in the world around us today that the reading of the Bible or the proclamation of the gospel brings about eternal life. I'd like for to notice in 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you begin reading with, well, uh, the last word of verse 8 is the name of God. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8 says, God who hath saved us, past tense, and called us, past tense, with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. There was something that God did in Christ for us before the world began. He saved us and called us before you were ever born. If this is something that he did before you were ever born, then by the time you got here, it's too late for you to be involved in it. It's too late for you to contribute to this. God who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But now, listen, there's something now. 
but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The gospel does not abolish death. The gospel tells you about the one who did abolish death. The gospel does not bring life. The gospel tells you about the one who does bring life. The gospel, as Jesus says, testifies of me who himself bore our sins on the cross, abolished death, and brought life to you. And we understand that through the gospel. The Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 says, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. This passage tells us very plainly. Well, stop and think your own selves. It's almost impossible for us to predict the future. Anyone in here good at predicting the future? If you are, I've got some stocks I'd like for you to uh, talk to me about. But listen to the talking heads on TV. They're always afraid of what's coming on the earth in the future, right? Listen to the sports channel. Oh, here's the next great player who in six months is a washout. It's impossible for man to predict the future. There's only one being who can declare the end from the beginning, and he's not me. And guess what? Not you either, right? It is absolutely impossible for us to predict the future. It is impossible for us really to know with certainty what will happen tomorrow. The prophets themselves did not know what they were writing. Now, it's one thing for me not to understand what you write. It's something completely different for me not to understand what I write. And the prophets were just that way. They would write it, and then they would read it, and they would wonder about what they wrote. And they inquired into this, what is this that I am writing? As a matter of fact, you remember in... in uh, Acts chapter 8, as Philip joins himself to the Ethiopian uh, uh, eunuch's chariot, the, the, the eunuch is reading from Isaiah 53. And he says to him, he says, uh, who's he talking about here? Is he speaking about himself? Speaking about someone else. And it says there in Acts chapter 8 that Philip began at that scripture and preached unto him Jesus. The Apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 17, 
Acts chapter 17, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica in Acts chapter 17, verse 1. And it says here in verse 2 that Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. Out of the Old Testament, he reasoned with them. And notice what Paul says here in verse 3, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15 and the first verse. Paul writes unto this church and he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand. See, there's no question at the Corinth church of what they believe. They've already received it. They've already heard it. They've already understood it. You say, why are you, why are you making this point? Well, read the very next verse. He says, by which also ye are saved. Notice, are is Continual. It's in front of them. He didn't say you were saved. He says you are saved. If you keep in memory that which I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Now, if this is eternal salvation that's under consideration here, and you've got to keep this in memory in order to go to heaven, you better hope you don't get a good case of Alzheimer's and forget everything about you and everything you ever learned. No, what are you being saved from here? Verse 19 will tell you this. If in this life, if in this life we only have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But what does Paul say? He says, I'm, I'm, I'm proclaiming the Gospels. I'm proclaiming the Scriptures. The Scriptures testify of Christ. Verse 3, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures all of this is written in the old testament all of this is all over the old testament and this is why they had a problem when messiah came because they didn't understand a king that reigns in glory and a sacrifice hanging on a cross they didn't understand how it could be the same person. But Peter said, what did Peter say? He says, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. It's impossible for us to properly predict the future. But I'll tell you one thing's for sure. As several scriptures we've already read, there is one thing that is sure to every child of God. Glory is coming. Amen. There is glory to come for every child of God according to the Scriptures. Amen. Notice what Paul writes for us in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 25. He says, Whereof? I am made a minister 
according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Have you ever noticed that in many circles today, a lot of people think that the spiritual blessings and the gift of the Spirit is something that God gives to you for you. Your spiritual gift that God has given to you is probably not for you. Your spiritual gift that God has given to you is probably for someone else. That we may comfort others with the same comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. God has given the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. I appreciate so much yesterday being at uh, Beulah Church with uh, Brother Chris's little brother Tim uh, was there. And he did what a great job of, of telling us and teaching us the purpose for the ministry was to serve and teach others. Here he says... The mystery, oh, let me back up, to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations. See, from Genesis 1 to Malachi 3, there was a mystery that was hid in all the ages, from all the generations. They got to look at it from a long ways off. And we now see something that Isaiah didn't see, and that Ezekiel didn't see, and that David didn't see. All these died in hope, not receiving the promises. We have got something that ages and generations before us did not have. It's the understanding of Christ throughout all the scriptures. Here he says, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints, to whom? God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What, what, what is so great about the hope that we have of eternal life? It is Christ in us. The hope of glory is not something that you and I sat down and we mentally decided we'd agree on this. The, the exercise of faith is not a mental activity that you and I sit around and we iron out and we think we're going to do this and we'll do that. Faith is a gift of God. Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. And He is the very reason that we have faith and that we have hope. It's because Christ is in us. Amen. The hope of glory. Search the Scriptures. You think you have eternal life, but in reality, they are they which testify of me. There are two things in the scriptures, it, well, maybe more, but there are at least two things that say that they testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the first one is found in John chapter 15. Chapters, well, chapter 15, you can read chapter 14, 15, and 16, really. But for the sake of this argument, John 15, in verse 26, Jesus says, But when the Comforter is come. The Comforter is named for the Holy Spirit. 
And the term comfort that is listed in John 14 and 15 is, is not necessarily a soothing comforter. It's more like the undergirding of a ship, the strengthening of that which is underneath you. And I'll tell you what, a lot of, a lot of times more than soothing, we need strength in this world. You, know, you turn on the news, uh, news is designed to make you miserable. You, you read the newspaper, it's designed to make you miserable. You, you, you listen to the garbage on the radio, it's designed to make you miserable. Every ad on television is designed to make you miserable. Because you don't have this, and you don't have that, and you don't dress like this, and you don't dress like something. You, you need something more than what you got. It's designed to make you miserable. My friends, the purpose of the Scriptures is to comfort us, is to strengthen us, is to undergird us, to tell us if we got Christ, we got all we need. We don't need anything else. Christ is all we need. And when the Comforter comes, mm, when the Comforter comes, you're going to know it. Now, when the Comforter comes, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, catch this, it does not say that when the Comforter comes, we're all going to fall out and pass out and be slain in spirit and lay down on the floor. It doesn't say we're going to foam at the mouth and writhe around on the ground. It does not say that we're going to jump up and down and jump pews and run around the building. It does not say that we're going to break out in some hostile shandadabokai. No, he says when the Comforter comes, he will testify of me. When the presence of the Holy Spirit is in the singing and in the praying and in the preaching. Jesus Christ is the central focal point. It's not about me, not about you, not about the primitive Baptist, not about what I can do because without Christ, you can do nothing. Well, maybe except sin. You can do that all on your own. But it's not a good thing you can do without the good Lord above. With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things concerning righteousness are possible. Amen. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will testify of me. But then as Jesus said, he said, search the scriptures, for they testify of me. So let's look at how this kind of works a little bit. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. Verse 45, it says that Philip findeth Nathanael and say unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did speak, Jesus of Nazareth. Nathanael says unto him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? He says, Come. And see. I want you to notice something here. Philip said, We have found him of whom Moses and the prophets did write. You see that? See that phrase? Seven times in the New Testament, that phrase, Moses and the prophets, appear. John chapter 1, verse 45. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, Jesus Christ gives us a glimpse into life after death. Luke 16 is not a parable. The story of the rich man and Lazarus is not a parable. 
Nowhere in here is it a parable. Child of God, this is not a parable. Do not relegate this to the land of parable. The rich man was a real man. The poor man, Lazarus, was a real man. And the place of paradise that Lazarus went is a real place. And the place of torment that the rich man went to was a real place. This is a real story. That man down there in torment lifts up his eyes and he sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cries out in Luke 16, he says, send Abraham or send Lazarus uh, to my father's house that he may come and teach them and warn my brothers that they not come to this place. So he believes in gospel regeneration, apparently, that all they need is to be taught. Abraham says to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he says, no, Father Abraham, but if one come from the dead, they will repent. And and Abraham says, if they'll not hear Moses and the prophets, they'll not be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Why? Because Moses and the prophets wrote about one who would rise from the dead. And when he did rise from the dead, what did they say? Get to hammer nails and do it again. Or they would have. They didn't believe the miracles they saw in Jesus' day. And the wicked world will not believe the miracles that they see in our day. If they will not believe Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded. Luke 24. After Jesus' resurrection, he's walking on the road to Emmaus with a couple of disciples. And he says unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? Imagine talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and it making you sad. They tell the story. Of course Jesus knows the story. He says to them in verse 25 of Luke 24, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning Himself, Verse 44, and he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all these things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Do you see that? And in the Psalms. Has it ever occurred to you all that the Psalms are more than just a book of light devotional reading? You remember those waters that were up to the loins and those waters that were there to swim in? When you get over there in those messianic psalms, see Psalm 23 is more than just the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It is a psalm of the Savior. Psalm 22, Psalm 23, Psalm 24, messianic psalms. Psalm 69, Psalm 110. Take your pick. These are waters deep enough to swim in the rest of your lives that speak about and testify about the greatness of Jesus Christ in Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms. In Acts chapter 26, Acts chapter 28, the Apostle Paul makes this statement that at this time, those that would come to him, he would speak unto them nothing more than what Moses and the prophets did right concerning the coming of Christ and his suffering and his resurrection. Search the scriptures, for in them they testify 
of me. Let's turn to Genesis 22 now. And let's see an example of searching the scriptures that testify of Jesus Christ. Now, there, there are many other passages that you and I could turn to, but I, this one will do just as good. In John chapter 8, John chapter 8, the Lord Jesus said to uh, some Pharisees, he said, your father Abraham rejoiced, uh, or rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. I don't know if I pointed out throughout this little tirade I've been on, how many times seeing, seeing and opening your eyes has appeared through all of this. He says that Abraham saw my day, rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and he was glad. And they said to him, thou art not yet 50 years old. How, how, has thou, how, how do you claim to see Abraham? You're not even 50 years old yet. And one of the most astounding scriptures in all the Bible, Jesus says in John 8, 58, before Abraham was, I am. He does not say before Abraham was, I was. He said, before Abraham was, I am. And in verse 59, it says at that point, they picked up stones and they were ready to stone him. This is, this is, this is so interesting because when they brought Jesus to Pilate, to have Pilate or the Romans or whoever crucify him, they said, it is unlawful for us to put any man to death. Y'all remember that? And yet the entire ministry of Jesus, they were constantly trying to throw rocks at him, hanging, crucify him, do something to him. And yet they said, it's unlawful for us to put him to death. Uh, apparently mankind is willing to bend his own rules when it benefits himself, maybe, perhaps. And the reason it made him mad is when he said, before Abraham was, I am. They immediately went back to Exodus 3. When Moses is standing at that burning bush, and he says, you want me to go to deliver these people? Who, who in the world am I supposed to tell them sent me? God says, you tell them, I am that I am has sent thee unto them. That term, I am, was only reserved for one person, God Almighty. Just like the name reverend is only reserved for one person. Psalm 111 says, uh, he has sent uh, redemption unto his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. There's a reason you don't need to be calling me reverend. I ain't reverend and I sure ain't that holy. Except for my ears and my nose and my mouth. But at any rate, I am not he. I am not God Almighty. God says, you tell them, I am that I am. I am that doesn't change. I am, as he says in Malachi, he says, I am the Lord God. I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. I am. As in Hebrews 13, when it says, Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. He said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it, and he was glad. So in Genesis 22, let's search the scriptures. Let's see if these scriptures testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know something about Abraham. Abraham was from the land of the Ur of Chaldees, right? Abraham was from Babylon. Abraham has a pagan origin. 
And God calls him out of this land way back in Genesis 15, leads him uh, on a journey like he'd never seen before. And he gets to Genesis 22, and he tells him, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, and offer him up on a mountain that I will show thee. And it says here in Genesis 22 and verse 4, that then on the third day. When? Third day. What day? Third day. You ever, you ever notice how many times in the scripture something happens on third day? Joshua led the people into Canaan's land in the book of Joshua. You know what he told them? God says, you tell these people to get up, get dressed, and get ready. Because on the third day, you go into Canaan. Joshua is going to accomplish in three days what Moses could not accomplish in 40 years. Jesus Christ Almighty is going to accomplish on the cross in three days what the law could not accomplish since the history of man. In that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and condemning sin in the flesh, put Him on the cross and died for you. In three days, it says that Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place. Oh my, that you could lift up your eyes and that you could see the place. And Abraham said to the young men that were with him, Abide here, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and we'll return again to you. It's interesting that Abraham makes that statement because he knows what God has commanded him to do. Go and offer thy son as a sacrifice. And here's what he tells everybody else. I and my son are going to go yonder and worship, and I and my son are going to return. Man. Does he have any idea what he's talking about? Possibly. Hebrews 11 kind of lets you in on that a little bit, but we won't sidetrack on that much. Notice what he says here. Abraham took the wood, laid it upon Isaac, his son. Took the wood and laid it on Isaac. And said, Isaac, you carry this. Can you see it? Can you see it? Can you see when they took a man and laid something on him and said, carry that to the top of that hill? He laid it on his son and said, carry this. And he took the fire in his hand and he took the knife. And they went, both of them together. And, and Isaac is kind of looking around and Isaac's thinking, something right, right about this. There's the wood, there's the fire, there's the knife. And he asked this most beautiful question. He says, uh, Father, uh, Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Because there's you and me and all this stuff, and I don't, I don't see a lamb. And Abraham says to him, verse 8, My son, God will provide himself a lamb. Now, it is very important for us to understand <clears throat> that words are in the Bible to communicate, and words mean something. It does not say that God would provide for himself a lamb. But that the lamb that God provides would be himself. You see, Jesus said, uh, Jesus said in John 15, Greater love hath no man than a man lay down his life for his friends. It's one thing for me to lay down Brother Chris's life for y'all. 
I'd be happy to do that. It's something completely different for me to lay my own life down for my friends. If Jesus Christ is not God come in the flesh, then John 3.16 doesn't mean anything. When John 3.16 says, God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. God so loved the world that He gave Himself for the elect world of His people. Here it says, God would provide a lamb, Himself a lamb. And then when you look a little bit further into this, uh, the term provide comes from two different words, pro and video. Pro meaning beforehand and video to see. That God would beforehand see a lamb. You know what we talked about earlier? That God has given us something in Christ Jesus before the world began. Before sin ever entered into the world, before sin ever entered into His family, God had already seen the need for Christ. God is so far ahead of all of us. God knows what we need even before we ask. God knows what we need even before we know we need it. God would see beforehand And they went, both of them together. Now as we progress along and things kind of keep getting on into this and Isaac's kind of thinking, we got the wood set up, we got the fire set up and uh, where's that lamb? And uh, now I'm wrapped up and bound up. Where in the world is that lamb? Now I'm up here on the altar. Hey, you know, I'd like to have that lamb right now. And then up comes Abraham's hand ready to slay his son. You know, where's the lamb? And the angel stops him. And the reason for this, at least I think the reason for this, as we said earlier, that Abraham is a pagan. Abraham is used to seeing people sacrifice their children to Chemosh and to Molech. Abraham is used to seeing the heathen practices that still go on in the world today in certain places and in dark areas that we don't like to talk about. And there's an angel, the hand of God, the word of God, and the voice of God that comes down and says, Abraham, that's enough. Because I want you to learn something, Abraham. You're not going to die for me. I'm going to die for you. It will not be you dying for me. It will not be you laying your life down for me. It will be me who comes down and lays my life down for you. And at this moment it says in verse 13, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. How many times are we going to lift up our lives? How many times are we going to look? We're going to look till we see it. Behold, we're going to look again. Behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. Abraham turns around and there's a ram over here caught in a thicket. There is a ram over here caught in a thorn bush. There is a ram over here with a crown of thorns on his head. Can you see it? Can can you see? Can you see Isaac up here? With this ram over here with a crown of thorns on his head. And Isaac is pushed off and said, Get out of the way, we don't need you anymore. We got we got a better sacrifice. We got a, we got a ram. 
with a crown of thorns on his head. And he's placed on the altar in the stead of his son. And it says here in verse 14 that Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, Jehovah Jireh means in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Um, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, and verse 48, it says, as this crowd of people came to where Christ was crucified, in Luke 23, 48, it says, and all the people that came together to that site. Now, <clears throat> this is one of the places where it's important that you read the Bible and not have it read to you. Because anybody who's like an engineer or anybody who's in construction, you know what it means to go to a job site, an S-I-T-E. It's just a place to be. But this doesn't say S-I-T-E. It's not a place to be. It's an S-I-G-H-T. It is a site to behold. It says that when they came to that site, they smote upon their breast and returned when they had beheld the things that were done. You ever come to the house of God and just beheld what a sight the Savior is? Just beheld what a sight. The Lord of glory, whose visage, whose, whose face was so marred you couldn't even recognize it hanging upon the cross. He says, search the scriptures. It's not the scriptures that give you eternal life. It's the scriptures that testify of me. Amen. I'll tell you, in the house of God, it should be very clearly seen what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. If the finished work of Jesus Christ is not the main focal point of worship, and life. We have not worshipped and we have not lived. Search the scriptures for they testify of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your good attention. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.